Thank you for downloading this podcast of Andy's Movie Mashup from GFM 107.1. For rights reasons, the music has been removed, so it's just me talking. Enjoy. Oh yes, I think there's that a first for this uh, for this show. Playing some John Williams, yeah, it might be. Welcome to another movie mashup on GFM 107.9. I'm just going to adjust the microphone, it's far too low. That's better. Um, yes, welcome once again. I've been off on holiday for two weeks. I'm back. You'll be glad to hear. Uh, talking about uh, Mamma Mia, here we go again. Ant-Man and the Wasp and a movie called Love, Simon, uh, which came out earlier this year, is now out on DVD and Blu-ray. So watch that whilst I was away. Watch a whole lot of other stuff as well, some of which I've talked about on this show before. I think there's a couple of things that I haven't. But anyway, some news about the Good Robot and his podcast on this week's show. We're back. We've recorded a new one, so I'll be talking about that later. Uh, but also, movies that are on TV this weekend, what's on at local venues, some DVD picks, all the usual things, really. Uh, plus lots of music. Um, also, I wanted to note that a couple of radio BBC Radio 2 presenters have um, been using idents that I've been using. So Dermot... Oh, Dermot O'Leary on a weekend. He plays the um, piece of music from Dr. No that I used to use as my intro music. So I can't play that anymore. And I heard this morning Chris Evans plays The Magnificent Seven, which is playing underneath this right now. So I need to change it yet again. Never mind. These things are sent to try us. Anyway, here's some more music uh, from... Ooh, what's it from? I'll find out in a minute. But anyway, this is Eddie Grant... With Baby Come Back. Oh, that was nice. That was uh, John Bowden and Sam Sweeney from Bellowhead, I think. Uh, with, with a song called How Long Will I Love You. That is from About Time. Before that was uh, Eddie Grant, Baby Come Back. That's from Idiocracy. Right, so back to my notes. Back to um, the first movie of the week this week. This is a film that's out in cinemas right now that's doing rather well. Has had good reviews. It's called Mamma Mia! Exclamation mark. Here we go again. Uh, you may have heard of this, possibly. I think it, the juggernaut that is the Mamma Mia! franchise is, is presently rolling its way down the country. But um, it's a 2018 American-British jukebox musical romantic comedy film directed and written by Ol Parker from a story by Parker, Catherine Johnson and Richard Curtis. It's a follow-up to the 2008 film Mamma Mia! which in turn is based on the musical of the same name using the music of ABBA. And the film features an ensemble cast including Lily James, Amanda Seyfried, Christine Baranski, Julie Walters, Piers Brosnan, Andy Garcia, Dominic Cooper, Colin Firth, Stellan Skarsgård, Jessica Wienan-Kinn, Alexa Davis, Jeremy Irvine, Hugh Skinner, Josh Dillon, Cher and Meryl Streep. And it's both a prequel and a sequel to the original. The plot is set after the events of the first film and also features a flashback to 1979, telling the story of Donna Sheridan's arrival on the island of Kolokari, Kolokari and her first meetings with her daughter Sophie's, sorry, her daughter Sophie's three possible fathers. There you go. That's a long intro. Um, you've probably heard this, people talking about this. You may even have seen this at the cinema, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Uh, music by Anne Dudley. Um, uh, had a budget of 75 million has already taken 319 million which is, you know, it'll just keep raking in money so I was not a fan of the first Mamma Mia I thought that it was a ramshackle uh, piece of fluff 
that barely held together. I thought that some of the song deliveries were terrible, notably Pierce Brosnan singing SOS. Uh, I didn't really like it that much. Uh, but uh, on the strength of um, uh, some reviews on the radio and indeed on podcasts like the Empire podcast that were very, very... Um, uh, what's the, um, I'm trying to think of the word. What? I can't even think of the word. Positive. That's it. I was. Try- I'm, I, had the, I had the word popular stuck in my head. There. Yeah, but very positive reviews. I thought, well, yeah, okay, it's got to be worth a try. So I went to see this with my wife whilst we were on holiday. Um, so the plot is that um, Sophie Sheridan, played by Amanda Seyfried, is preparing for the grand reopening of her mother Donna's hotel following Donna's... Oh, no, I won't go into that. Uh, following, yeah. Um, and she is upset because two of her fathers, Harry and Bill, that's played by uh, Colin Firth and Stellan Skarsgård, are unable to make it for the reopening, and she is having trouble in her relationship with Skye, played by Dominic Cooper, who is in New York. Um, but back in 1979, a young Donna has just graduated from university with Rosie and Tanya, who in the first Mamma Mia, and indeed in this one, are played by Christine Baranski and Julie Walters. And in uh, the uh, prequel part of the... are played by different actresses. Um, however, she when she's in Paris, she meets and parties up with Harry, play, who is, um, who's played by an actor who was in 20... No, W1A uh, as a very posh intern at the BBC. He's very funny. Um, she meets Harry in Paris. She later misses her boat to Kolokari, is offered a ride, a ride by Bill. Along the way, they're able to help a stranded fisherman, Alexio, make it in time to stop, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, unbeknownst to Donna, Harry has followed her to Greece, but he arrived too late and sadly watches the boat sailing off in the distance. So, you know, th- yeah, it's, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of plot going on there where she meets the three men who may potentially be the father of her child. Um, not at the same time, it should be noted. And uh, back in the present day, um, guests are arriving for the grand reopening of this hotel. Uh, Cher turns up later in the film as uh, grandmum. I haven't seen Cher on screen for a while. I think she's had a lot of work done. I would say that, but still got I'd say still got star power. Um, now I was expecting to be massively massively moved by this because I'd heard that it was very emotional and it did sort of move me a little bit during the running time but it was at the very end when something happens that I was actually quite you know actually shedding quite a few tears so um I like this a lot more than the first film I think that it hangs together a lot better uh I think the cast are better I think the additions to the cast are good uh, it's still a load of fluff, but it's a much better load of fluff than the first movie. Uh, so I rather enjoyed this. I thought it was a lot of fun. And it, I think the addition of Richard Curtis as you know, someone who was giving ideas of how you could do this is a good one because you know he's got past form with this kind of film. Uh, it all hangs together nicely. I think that uh, Lily James is a very, uh, a very good young Meryl Streep in this film, as are uh, the actors who play the young... Um, the the young versions of her of um, of of uh, Amanda Seyfried's father fathers. Oh, it's so complicated. Um, of note, also Christi- Christine Baranski and Julie Walters once again do fantastic work. 
supporting work. It's quite broad, but it suits a film like this, that kind of broad delivery. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, so, yeah, it's very good. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 79%, which says it doubles down on just about everything fans loved about the original. And my, my, how can fans resist it? I think the only negative about it is that maybe there's a, f- there's a couple of ABBA songs that are second fiddle in this. You know, they've, they've mined all the good stuff for the first film. And they do indeed repeat a couple of songs from the first film. Um, uh, but there's not a proper reprise of SOS, you'll be glad to hear. However, these, there is a small reprise of it and it's very effective. So uh, it's good stuff. I liked it. Yeah, there you go. I liked it. Uh, I'm going to play a couple of tracks from the soundtrack. Uh, first up, we've got the cast of Mamma, yeah, Mamma Mia 2 with uh, Super Trooper. Oh, that, that ended suddenly. That was uh, the, the cast of Mamma Mia 2 with uh, their version of uh, Mamma Mia. And before that was uh, the same cast, uh, also featuring Cher, with uh, Super Trooper. And that was, uh, they are from the soundtrack to Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which I really liked and is rated PG, I forgot to mention. Okay, next movie this week is Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's a 2018 American superhero film based on the Marvel Comics characters uh, Scott Lang slash Ant-Man and Hope Van Dyne slash The Wasp. Produced by Marvel Studios and distributed by Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures. It's a sequel to 2015's Ant-Man and the 20th film in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU. The film is directed by Peyton Reed, uh, once again, uh, and written by the writing teams of Chris McKenna and Eric Sommers and Paul Rudd, uh, Andrew Barra and Gabriel Ferrari. It stars Rudd as Lang and Evangeline Lilly as uh, Hope Van Dyne, or The Wasp, alongside Michael Peña, Walton Goggins, Bobby Cannavale, Judy Greer, Tip T.I. Harris, David Dashmalian, Hannah John Kamen, Abby Ryder, Forston, Randall Park, Michelle Pfeiffer, Lawrence Fishburne, and Michael Douglas. And in Ant-Man and the Wasp, the titular pair work with Hank Pym, played by Douglas, to retrieve Janet Van Dyne, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, from the quantum realm. So, uh, not a direct, not a direct sort of timeline sequel to the uh, the first Ant-Man. This is set after the events of uh, Captain America: Civil War, and is uh, we're not sure in 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 terms of whether this is set at the same time as Avengers: Infinity War or slightly before it. Uh, there's not really any indication of that at all, which is good. It's its own thing. Um, it's not big and brash like Infinity War. It's uh, quite a small, intimate story with some really uh, eye-popping effects and amazing fight choreography. But more about that. So. Uh, Paul Rudd's character, um, Scott Lang, is under house arrest uh, because he helped out the presumably wrong side uh, in Captain America Civil War and is now under house arrest. Uh, that, that's coming to an end soon, but he is then uh, called on to help Hank Pym and uh, Hope Van Dyne uh, to retrieve um, Janet Van Dyne from the quantum realm, um, which we saw... Uh, Briefly, at the end of Ant-Man, um, Scott Lang ventured into it to uh, do something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he managed to make his way back out of it, and they want to know how he did that so that they can rescue Hank Pym's wife. 
who's been there for 30 years, uh, but they think she might still be alive. So um, they are trying to open a quantum tunnel, if that makes sense. <clears throat> uh, meanwhile, Walton Goggins, who plays in this film a rather wonderful, in, in, Robbie Collin, in Robbie Collins' words, a rather wonderful generic bad guy. He's not a super. He's not a supervillain. He's just a gener generic kind of mobby type bad guy. He plays it very well. It's refreshing to see that kind of villain in a film like this. A man who is just out for some new tech. Uh, that's about it, really. So he's after the same kind of tech that uh, that the, that Hank Pym is using, or a particular part of it. And someone else is after that as well. A character that we will come to know as Ghost, who appears to be. Um, able to shift in and out of reality or sort of shift between dimensions so it's actually very difficult to um, fight or hit with things because you keep shifting in and out so there's a lot of that going on there's also a lot of shrinking and growing of things including buildings, cars um, people uh, it's eye-popping stuff I was hugely entertained by this I think that you know, if you compare it to the the grandiose um, Avengers Infinity War, which I really, really enjoyed, and I'm looking forward to watching again when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray, um, it's this is a much more intimate movie. Uh, it's uh, it's action set pieces are smaller and yet no less um, complex and interesting, um, particularly when cars are being shrunk down to the size of matchbox cars on the road, whilst other cars are driving over them, not crushing them but driving you know sort of driving in between the wheels it's really well worked out i also think the comedy has been bumped up in this film so peyton reed who uh, directed um bring it on many years ago the uh american story about cheerleaders that's very funny um here he is definitely uh, pushing the comedy up I think, and the pacing is pacing is a little bit off in places, but I'd say for the most part, it hangs together really well. There's lots of work for Evangeline Lilly to do, which is great. Um, Paul Rudd is on good form. I think once again, though, uh, another poor supporting role for Bobby Cannavale, who doesn't really get much to do here, nor does Judy Greer, which is a shame. Uh, but nice support from Lawrence Fishburne. Um, yeah, it it's good. I think it's... I think it's about as good as the first Ant-Man, you know, and I think both of these films are probably second-tier Marvel movies, but no less entertaining for that. Really good stuff, really enjoyed it. On um, Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 88%, based on uh, 296 reviews, and the consensus reads, a lighter, brighter superhero movie, powered by the effortless charisma of Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly. It offers a much-needed palate cleanser, after Avengers Infinity War, as did the first movie after the very disappointing um, Avengers Age of Ultron. So, you know, after that, Ant-Man was a massive lift after that. And, you know, Infinity War was great. Uh, this is, is indeed a palate cleanser as we await next year's Captain Marvel with Brie Larson. Who's excited about that? I am. I'm sure lots of other people are too. And, of course, Infinity War Part 2. And uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp is rated 12. Uh, that was uh, Dusty Springfield with Spooky. And before that was Morrissey with The First of the Gang to Die. Those are both from the soundtrack to Ant-Man and the Wasp that I talked about just before that. 
Okay, final film this week is a movie called Love, Simon. It's a 2018 American romantic teen comedy drama film directed by Greg Berlanti, written by Isaac Aptica and Elizabeth Berger, and based on the novel Simon vs. the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albert-Tarley. The film stars Nick Robinson, Josh Duhamel and Jennifer Garner. And it centres on Simon Spear, a closeted gay high school boy who is forced to balance his friends, his family and the blackmailer threatening to out him in the entire school while simultaneously attempting to discover the identity of the anonymous classmate with whom he has fallen in love online. It premiered at the Mardi Gras Film Festival uh, earlier this year in February, was released in March. Um, critics praised the film for its big heart, diverse anti cast and revolutionary normalcy, describing it as tender, sweet and affecting and a hugely charming crowd-pleaser that is funny, warm-hearted and life-affirming. Um, review, reviews comparing it to the romantic comedy drama films of John Hughes, who made things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Uh, notable as the first film by a major Hollywood studio to focus on a gay teenage romance, it has grossed 66.2 million worldwide. So that gives you a potted idea of what this is all about. Um, it's the first, I'd say, fairly mainstream movie in the last 12 to 18 months, the other one being Call Me By Your Name, that deals with a non-heterosexual romance of, of a kind. Um, and that's, that's a good thing. Diversity is a great thing. Um, this film obviously is very different in tone. It's set in the United States and is set in a college. And Simon is indeed, uh, you know, he hasn't come out. He pretty much knows that he is gay and he is conversing with someone online about all the trials and tribulations that he's facing and whether he's going to come out to his parents and that kind of thing. Um, he then gets... Uh, um, I wouldn't say a friend, but an acquaintance of his who is in theatre club, in glee club, rather. Um, he says, I know, you know, I know um, what you've been doing and I want you to help me with something. Uh, and that something is he wants, his friend wants to get closer to one of Simon's girlfriends. And if he doesn't help him, he's going to out him to the entire school. Something that Simon is not on board with. You know, he wants to be in control of his own destiny. Um, so... Uh, he goes along with this for a while and then things go, I'd say, pear-shaped pretty quickly. And um, Simon then has to pick up the pieces and try and figure out how he's going to proceed with his life whilst you know all of this stuff is going on. Um, it's, uh, it's very good. I think the, co the comparison to, uh, to John Hughes' uh, movies is a very good one. It has a lightness of touch, a deft hand that is that is needed for subject matter like this. I think that um, I think that all of the scenes that could have been shriekingly awful are very well handled and very well judged. Uh, there's also a lovely speech from Jennifer Garner that echoes Michael Stuhlbarge, um, St Michael Stuhlbarge's speech from Call Me By Your Name, in which she talks to Simon. Uh, she plays his mother. She talks to Simon about, you know, how it, it doesn't really matter who you are as long as you're a good person and all that kind of thing. It's very well delivered. It's, it's yeah, very moving, I think, as well. Um, I really like this. Uh, I watched this with my son, who is 12, and, um, and my wife. And afterwards, I asked, you know, I asked my son, so do you know anybody who's gay at school? And he said, yeah, I do. 
I do know somebody and they have a boyfriend and nobody really cares about it that much, uh, which I think, I think it's back to when I was at school, back in the, I suppose, um, mid-80s, I can't imagine that being a thing at all. So I think things have moved on. I don't think, you know, I still don't think that equality is there, but things have moved on a great deal and gotten better, quite a lot better. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an approval rating of 92%, saying uh, it hits its coming-of-age beats more deftly than many entries in this well-travelled genre and represents an overdue, if not entirely successful, milestone of inclusion. I think it is entirely successful. I think 92% means it is almost entirely successful. Um, <clears throat> and yes, indeed, it is a well-travelled genre, but it does bring something fresh to it, and it does it... You know, you can tell a well-worn story again and again, as long as you do it in a way that is inclusive and fun and light, and, and it is one of those things. Uh, I really liked this. Uh, if you haven't seen this, if you have seen Call Me By Your Name and you want to see something that's kind of similar to that, or if you've seen neither of those, these would make a good double bill, uh, it's really worth it. It's very, very good indeed. Uh, <clears throat> and it's rated 12. Some DVD picks now. These are things that are available now or will be available next Monday. Uh, first up, we've got A Quiet Place, uh, which is out now on DVD and Blu-ray, a big hit at the cinema. Um, I was hearing someone talking about this. Uh, I think it was Robbie Collin and uh, Sanjeev Bakshar on um, Simon, Mark Coman and Simon's, Simon Mayo's show because they're on holiday. Robbie Collin was making the very good point that is A Quiet Place going to work for home viewing when a lot of the appeal of it is being quiet in the cinema watching the movie. I think it will still work. I think it will still work. Uh, and also a movie called Thoroughbreds with Anya Taylor-Joy is out as well. Those are the two notable things uh, this week. Not much else going on, really. Um, some news about The Good Robot and his podcast. We are back uh, after our break. So we had an, an, a break uh, whilst we were both on holiday or doing other things. But we recorded a new one on Monday. It's available for download now. It's the second in the top 30 horror movies of the 20th century, as mostly chosen by me. Uh, so this week, we talked about, uh, I'm struggling to think now, um, Hellraiser, Clive Barker's Hellraiser, uh, a movie called Jacob's Ladder, directed by Adrian Lyne, with Tim Robbins, and the third movie, what was the third movie? That's, that's terrible that it's, um, it's gone out of my mind, I'm going to have to go and have a look for it now. Uh, I can't remember from my own for my own podcast what it was that I talked about it'll come to me in a moment um, oh yeah of course The Blair Witch Project from 1999 so those are the three movies that uh, we talked about this week it's had an enthusiastic response on Twitter the most enthusiastic being from one of our listeners was yes, yes and yes someone who approves of our choices that's available now and that is the show it's time to hand over to Ian goodbye Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast from GFM 107.1. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Cockers underscore 97 and on my Facebook page, which is Andy's Movie Mashup.